welcome to an informed live radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. And, you know, listening to that theme song music come on, we started the show a little more than a year ago with that theme song about needing a revolution. There's only one solution. And, you know, it really does keep coming down to something very, very simple. And that is to choose what is right to keep that open mind, to listen, to learn. And then when you know in your heart the right path, to stay on that path um, and to, you know, invite others with you. That's where we are right now when we have, you know, September 9th, 2021 is going to go down in history, I believe, eventually, along with some of the other um, most tragic days in American history. Yesterday, the president of the United States called war on 80 million plus Americans who are doing their medical due diligence, exercising religious freedom, uh, being very responsible in their own lives, but not choosing the path that the president says that they must choose. And for that, he is he is attempting to make their lives as miserable as possible, to kick them out of jobs. And he even said that any governor that gets in his way, he will get out of the way. And what does that mean? Is that, I don't know the name, the, the proper word for when a president says that he is going to undermine um, and attempt to destroy the very foundations of this republic by taking down elected officials whose constituents happen to have a different point of view. But it's it's pretty radical. It's it's not as because it's words, and because it's being done under the guise of infection. It's much harder to, to you know, wrap around exactly how momentous yesterday was, but it was huge. We need a revolution of ideas of what real health means and how we fight communicable infections such as viruses. The human immune system is very complex and it's highly protective if we support it. You, we've talked about nothing else on this show. Support your immune system. It will support you. Get early treatment, preventatives, all the things you need to do. And yes, there's emergency medicine that sometimes needs to be done. Um, but our federal government and our public health agencies have absolutely ignored any preventive strategy other than their chosen injections. And they have absolutely ignored early treatment until just beginning to accept some of the most expensive early treatments, mind you, not the ones that are affordable to the mass uh, numbers of people. And speaking of that, early treatments and preventives, I'm going to air for you something. I apologize if you've heard it before and you don't want to hear it again, but we get new members watching every single day, watching this. Um, and listening to this show. So I'm going to play for you some really important information. The new variant out there is very strong and you need to act swiftly. You need to be prepared. Here's one way 
frontline critical care, pulmonary care experts say you can be prepared. These are the founding physicians of the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. They convened to develop highly effective treatment protocols to prevent the transmission of COVID-19 and to improve the outcomes for patients ill with the disease. Today, they want you to know how to prevent COVID-19, even against the variants. This is the molecule of ivermectin, the medicine that can end the pandemic. Ivermectin was discovered and developed in 1975 in Japan by Dr. Satoshi Yamura and Dr. William Campbell. In 2015, doctors Amura and Campbell each received the Nobel Prize in Medicine for Ivermectin's discovery. They deserved it. The medicine has brought relief and saved the lives of millions across the globe for nearly 40 years. Ivermectin was first used in humans in 1987 for the treatment of parasitic diseases. It has eradicated pandemics of numerous diseases for four decades. Plus, for nearly 40 years, it has been given safely across the world nearly 4 billion times. Ivermectin is on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. It has been deemed to be one of the safest medicines known to mankind. But this workhorse of a drug is not yet finished. In the past eight months, numerous controlled clinical trials are reporting consistent, large improvements in COVID-19 patient outcomes when treated with ivermectin. People treated with ivermectin experience numerous clinical benefits. Fewer infections, reduced inflammatory markers, more rapid improvement, more rapid viral clearance, shorter hospitalization, and a reduction in mortality. As you can see, ivermectin has been very well studied across the world. In fact, the amount of scientific medical evidence is mountainous. As of July 16, 2021, 60 clinical studies, including 30 randomized controlled trials, have evaluated the role of ivermectin in the treatment or prevention of COVID-19. Here's how it works. Ivermectin inhibits the replication of many viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, influenza, and others. Ivermectin has potent anti-inflammatory properties with multiple mechanisms of action. Ivermectin diminishes viral load and protects against organ damage in animal models of SARS-CoV-2 infection. It prevents transmission of COVID-19 when taken either pre- or post-exposure. It hastens recovery and decreases hospitalization and mortality in patients with COVID-19 and it leads to far lower case fatality rates in regions with widespread use. Then, 
When ivermectin is used with the additional components in the FLCCC Alliance's iMask Plus protocol, it can work even better in preventing COVID-19. So here is what the FLCCC critical care physician team recommends. Just like you keep a first aid kit around the house, please start keeping a just-in-case COVID kit. Here is what the kit contains. Ivermectin, vitamin D3, vitamin C, quercetin, zinc, melatonin, and gargle or mouthwash. You can find our iMask Plus protocol plus all of our prevention and treatment protocols at flccc.net. We wish you a lifetime of good health. So that's from the wonderful folks at the flccc.net. I did notice today when I tried to go to that website through that portal, flccc.net, it was not working. If that doesn't work for you, you can go to the covidcriticalcare.com and find them that way or just do a general search for them and and their website is still up and live and fantastic information there. The most important point there is have your COVID kit ready on standby. The new variants circulating out there, um, we are being told by the doctors that the infection rate is, it's very quick um, from exposure to first symptoms. And the viral uh, replication is, um, is very quick, very rapid to have the, the levels go up high. So you need day one of symptom to be starting your protocol. I personally know several people, some of them who did choose to get vaccinated and some of them who did not, who nevertheless um, did come down with the uh, recently with this new strain of COVID. Those who had the protocols right there on the shelf, ready to grab, they did beautifully. They handled it well. A couple of days of symptoms kept them in bed a bit, but recovered um, very quickly and are doing very well. Those who had a delay in getting treatment, their early treatment, um, or did not choose to use any home protocols at all, did not are not faring well. The symptoms last much longer, and and two that I know did end up in the hospital. But they're recovering well, so they are going to be coming home. So I'm glad to report that. Uh, Nobody that I know, and again, this is anecdotal. This is just Bernadette's world. Um, Nobody that I know who previously had wild infection has come down with the variant. And that's backed up by the most recent blood studies that show that if you had wild infection, you have what they're calling, what the scientists are calling super antibodies to many of the variants, including the Delta variant. So just be prepared. It's, it's very important with everything that's going on, even though I personally and Informed Choice Washington is working very hard to make sure people have fully informed consent, have enough information to make a vaccine decision or a mass decision. Um, we nevertheless absolutely do not, um, we know that this sickness is real. 
and that it can come on swiftly and it can be dangerous. So we want everybody to be responsible. And for that, you need information. And one of my favorite sources of information, somebody I love to chat with is here with me today. His name is Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, but we like to call him Dr. Jack, a PhD researcher. His bio goes on too long and I didn't even put it at my fingertips. I think a lot of you have heard me speak to Jack, Dr. Jack before. So welcome, Dr. Jack. Thank you, Bernadette. What a beautiful uh, way to introduce some life-saving approaches to uh, to the listeners and viewers. It's really important that the word get out. Um, I was just texting Peter Corey. Uh, you're right. The COVID19criticalcare.com website is up. That's where people should go. COVID19criticalcare.com website mm -hmm. is up. I've been working with uh, Pierre Corey and will be working with the FLCC uh, doctors closely to, of course, to what? To research. We're going to mm -hmm. do some studies. So fantastic. Um, no one else is doing any meaningful types of studies on inexpensive, readily available treatments. And so yeah. they say that the studies aren't available. So what do I say? Let's do some studies, right? Fantastic. Yeah. And you know that so much about yesterday and what um, the president said was so wrong. Um, and all of this has been happening because of the denial, the criminal denial of early treatments. You know, brilliant doctors around the world just didn't sit back and throw up their hands and say, nothing we can do. Let's just wait for these magical injections to come along. No, around the world, they reached for this on the shelf. They looked at the scientific material. They, they use sophisticated equipment and they mm -hmm. use very simple equipment and they found protocols. And there's not just one protocol. I like to support the FLCCC because these, except for now they're, you know, the powers that be are trying to make ivermectin very difficult to get. These are relatively inexpensive, easily accessed um, nutrient drug protocols that um, just about anybody around the world can can get a hold of. Mm -hmm. So I like to support them. It's simple, and they stay up to date. I so love that, and they're staying up to date with this new variant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Biden administration, I think, has made a fatal move, uh, fatal to public health. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, last week, and you know, I'm always an optimist about this. I always I think, you know, we've got them right where we want them. They're the 1,800-pound gorilla, but we've got them right where we want them. Why do I think that way? Well, because, you know, he said 80 million, it's probably more like 100 million American citizens have decided that they're done with the vaccine. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. what they say, it doesn't matter what they do. They're done with the vaccination because of a large number of reasons, not the least of which is this huge population of people who have such serious reactions. Then their doctor said, no, it wasn't the vaccine, it was a correlation. Uh, and it's backfiring completely. So we have mm -hmm. all these people who rolled up their sleeves, they wanted to do the right thing, they wanted to be protected. And then on top of it, we have this huge, huge swath of people who were told, get the shot, you can go back to normal. And it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, let's not forget that Rochelle Walensky told everybody, and it's, I see signs everywhere we go, if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, you still have to mask, you still have to social distance. So we were sold a bill of goods. How long have I been saying we've been sold a bill of goods because the efficacy the vaccine from the Moderna trial was 75%, not 95%. And what mm -hmm. that actually means is that they always needed 95% or more coverage. They knew they weren't going to get it. They had to get us on the on the vaccine bad wagon to, to begin with. And, and it's, it is a crime. You're right to use the word crime because uh, three quarters of the people, so about 75% of the people who had COVID and died from COVID or were given a death described to COVID, 
could have been saved by early treatment. That's what the data is showing. But there's mm -hmm. a brand new, independent of Dr. Corey, independent of anyone, meta-analysis that shows the reduction in mortality from ivermectin of all published studies that this, this new meta-analysis included is 56%. Now that reminds me of the hydroxychloroquine results of Henry Ford, 50% mortality reduction. And Anthony Fauci testified to Congress and said, hey, you know, a lot of things can be published, but a lot of things get through peer review. It's not a big deal. In reality, it was hydroxychloroquine plus corticosteroids, 50% 50, 50 reduction. He should have jumped on the table and said, this is it, guys. We need to do this right now. Mm -hmm. And he didn't. And people died because of, peer, of, yeah. of, uh, of Anthony Fauci, because of the paradigm, wait for the vaccine. And this baloney that the unvaccinated are the source of the variants is the most ridiculous made up ad hoc. We saw it coming. We knew they were going to yeah. blame it. Because yeah. the protocol, the medical protocol from public health, and remember, public health is not medicine, right? Public health took over medicine. The protocol from public health is if you test positive with a PCR test, go home and sicken in place. What does that mean? It means go home and see if you get sick enough that you need emergency care. And if you are sick enough that you need emergency care, you have been an unwitting incubator for new variants yeah. by listening to public health. It's yeah. all of every person who went home for 10 days doing the right thing. I'm going to quarantine. I'm going to isolate. Let's see if I get sick. They were not given any prophylaxis. They were not given any treatment whatsoever. They were not given anything to reduce their viremia. If you get sick enough, you need emergency care. It means that they became incubators for the, for the new variants. So the, 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 the vast majority of Americans are now, you know, far more awake than we could have ever accomplished, mm -hmm. right? With mm -hmm. all of our podcasts, all of our collective efforts, all of our blogs, all of our interviews, all of the scientific research that we've been putting out, COVID has been the gift that keeps on giving. And I say that with great respect for the families who've lost loved ones, the mm -hmm. gift that keeps on giving because now we can figure out exactly what to do once we dismantle public health. That's where I'm at. Exactly. That's what we need to do. I mean, I've got that hat and shirt that says separate pharma and state. That's from three years ago. We have been talking about the corporate capture and the corruption of public yeah. health. Um, you know, and I entered all of this several years ago, very naively thinking, hey, I'm just going to go to these meetings and the board of health meetings. And if I just bring them the science, they're in their own little world and they're not seeing this other stuff, then they're going to go, oh, yay, and, and help us reform. But no, it's so systemic. And, you know, there were times, Jack, when you and I were looking at how systemic the uh, capture of public health was and, and, all of medicine and all of society, we've got that trio, we've got big medicine and big pharma. And the only way that they can survive is with big insurance. So the three of them harmonize together to self-support becomes this industry. Our lives are an industry. And the kind of lowest part of the equation is whether or not the patient survives, you know? Um, and it's all about the, the bottom dollar. And this was when it comes to vaccines captured in there and as we know like when you watch 1986 the act the film by um by dr andrew wakefield you realize that from the very beginning when our government decided to choose vaccines as their 
tool of public health and also a political tool around the world that they could only use this tool to the extent they wanted if they hid anything risky. And it became a matter of policy to lie, to say safe and effective, to say vaccine injury rare. And now that's that's like talk about on steroids. I mean, the the absolute <laughs> falsehood yeah. of it. It's just, I mean, I'm gonna pull up the, the numbers here. Let me let me move over to um, Jack. I'm gonna pull up uh, share. Where is it? The latest numbers here we have from the openvares.com backslash COVID dash data. So 675,591 reports to bears. Now we granted many of these are minor, although we don't know for sure because people put in that first report, we don't know if that headache on day one they reported actually, you know, six months later, a year later, they're dealing with all sorts of other health issues because most people don't follow up with their reports. 14,506 deaths reported following vaccination. 18,439 people reported now being permanently disabled after vaccination. Um, it's, you know, it just goes on and on. And it's heartbreaking to read some of these um, some of these uh, inputs. Now here's one highlighted for myocarditis for people under 20. I'm just gonna read one real quick. Age 18, this is the entry. This is an 18 year old male who's generally healthy. He received a second dose of the SARS-CoV vaccine on March 4th. The following morning, he felt feverish and achy with malaise. He stayed home, drank fluids and rested and felt well enough to come up to ski this weekend. During skiing, he had some anterior chest pain. It resolved and he went about his day. Tonight at 22.45, the pain became sharp and awakened him from sleep. He felt nauseated and clammy as well. Father brought him to the ER for evaluation. His emergency department evaluation showed ST elevations, most notably in the inferior and lateral leads, as well as in the lateral precordium. I mean, that's just a taste. We have a healthy 18-year-old uh, boy who is um, now experiencing heart inflammation, and it's my understanding from the doctors and the researchers I've talked to that every episode of heart inflammation causes some amount of damage. Totally. And totally. your so heart- the spike, the spike protein itself is pathogenic. The spike protein causes adjacent heart cells to fuse. You cannot have a, a, a non-inflamed heart. You can't have a beating heart muscle tissue if you, have a, if you don't have integrity of heart muscle cells being separated. It actually insinuates in between two, two adjacent heart muscles. So I can hear right now the people that are going to comment on this are going to say, well, it's, it's only VAERS. VAERS uh, you know, doesn't allow causality. And so I want to share uh, from my end here. Yeah, please uh, do. Check this out. We have this editorial by yours truly. If vaccine adverse events tracking systems do not support causal inference, as is claimed, then pharmacovigilance does not exist. Now, how can I say that in this editorial? I said this in this editorial because I republished for the first time in the history of science. A journal has conducted independent peer review of another paper that was already retracted by another journal, right? And I did mm -hmm. that because everyone was saying, Jack, listen, you, you, Dr. Jack, you have to read this paper about by Wallach at all. 
they had used the European uh, pharmacovigilance vaccine adverse events tracking system. And they said something like, oh, look, it's this number of needed to treat that you number needed to harm for you to get this level of protection. They're saying that people died from vaccines. They're saying it was causal. <clears throat> the journal that published that paper actually uh, left it up there until um, editorial board members resigned. There were virologists and epidemiologists who resigned and they said, we, have, we can't be here, we can't be part of this journal if you're gonna say vaccines cause these deaths because we know that these, these passive adverse events tracking systems are not strong enough to allow the inference of causality. So as everybody was sending me these pa this paper saying, you gotta read this, the, the, the authors actually sent me the paper out of the blue. They said, we'd like to submit it to your journal. And they said, listen, this has already been peer reviewed. Would you publish it as is? I said, hell no. No, I, I'm gonna send it out for independent peer review. So mm -hmm. we sent it out for independent peer review. It was thoroughly reviewed. One of the reviewers was like, nope, this is co completely unacceptable. They have to do all these changes. It's not good enough. Two of the other reviewers were a little bit easier on them. But the, the interesting thing was the reviewers didn't agree on causality. And the, the point, my point is, I'm gonna publish this thing because the reviewers don't have to agree on interpretation. That's the beautiful thing about science. The whole point of doing an experiment and doing a study is to analyze the data, give your best possible interpretation. And the minute that we start uh, retracting studies on the basis of differences of opinion of interpretation, mm -hmm. that's not science anymore. That's not science, yeah. That's no longer science. And so I republished this. We were contacted by Retraction Watch. They want they put a demand on us for the actual copies of the peer-reviewed article, you know, the, the peer reviews, uh, the comments from the reviewers. Of course, we have them. We said, no problem, transparency, here you go, let's have it. Have it out, Retraction Watch, let's have that rational discourse that we've been saying that we have to have. And you're exactly right, Bernadette, the, the number one fatal flaw of public health is that they've decided that no one anywhere can ever say anything negative about vaccines. Mm -hmm. How can they possibly sustain that? They can't, that's not science. That's, no. and, and, and I, I just wrote a, uh, 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 an article on my subs, my sub stack. It's called Popular Rationalism. And, and, and in this, I address uh, Dr. Unides from, uh, from Stanford University, because he came out with this article. It was a beautifully written article that said, you know, the, the, the pandemic has changed the culture of science. And I said, no, science is fine. I don't know what those guys are doing over there. They mm -hmm. call it fraud. Right, call it call it anything, propaganda, but don't call it science, because what the CDC has been doing for 30 years is misleading the public on vaccine risk, and we have the evidence to show that. And I sent Dr. Unides the evidence that, that supports that. So we're hardly in a corner. People call me and they say, Dr. Jack, can you help me find a lawyer? Help, Dr. Jack, what can you do? What about this? I'm going to lose my job. Looks like I better start looking for another line of employment. I say, remember. You have a hundred million other American citizens that are on your side. You are not alone. This is the biggest event in your life right now. You don't know it. If you haven't been active, get mm -hmm. active, get on the phone, go and bother and be a pest to your representatives. What yes. Joe Biden did was he took over states' rights. This mm -hmm. is a huge, huge overstep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, Rachel Maddow uh, on CNBC uh, did a video where she said, oh, so the president, we're, we're told that the President Biden can't do that. She had this big sign, yes, you can over here. She goes, really? Really? He can't do that? Really? Well, have you ever heard about seatbelts? Excuse me, Rachel. The seatbelt law is a federal law that went through the House 
Then it became as a bill, and then it went to the Senate, and it was voted upon, and then it was signed by the president. It right. wasn't just decreed by a president. So mm -hmm. yeah, he can't do that. We have checks and balances in the United States, even though people like Rachel McDowell and Joe Biden and everybody in the White House apparently would like to think that there's no such things as checks and balances. And they've made such an egregious overstep that this is the end of the vaccine program. It's over. There's no way that people are going to put up with this at all. No, no. But, you know, our work has has really just begun as far as helping. You know, the snowball is really building, but we 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 can't let up. We have to keep it going There's and going. Up, and yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, so I'm, I'm coming to the point, you know, for, for in the beginning of all this, I, outlandish things would be said that were so wrong, so false, such a violation. My poor adrenal system was being ping, ping, ping with outrage, right? But I'm kind of to the point where I'm kind of burnt out on that. And now, even though yesterday was upsetting, I, it, it didn't touch me because it was, it's, that's not the United States of America. That's exactly right. It's not going to stand. He just, he just said he's going to to like get rid of several governors of this country i'm like no and and we are not alone and i take such comfort and i feel very strong in that that as i stride forward and continue to educate put information out there that oh my goodness he, we grew and i know people who got the vaccine like we've done events all over washington state and i'll be right. there with flyers and information and somebody will come up and say you know i chose to get the vaccine but honestly i don't want my grandkids to get it what can i do to help protect their right to say no so so you know biden seemed to think it was just people who were choosing to say no that are opposing him no but no it's many people who chose it but but they believe they chose it they weren't given informed consent obviously we know that but um oh so many things i wanted to say oh one of the i'm going to back up just a bit you said a couple of times the word pharmacovigilance and i want for our listeners who that term is new to can you explain what pharmacovigilance is Right. So when you when you put a new drug to the FDA, you're supposed to do phase one, phase two, and phase three clinical trials, phase three being the largest and long-term clinical trials to look for adverse events. So if you have a drug that's supposed to treat, say, blood pressure and it causes heart attacks, you figure it out, even if it's a small percentage. So that's why you have to have very large randomized clinical trials. What these jokers have been doing for 30 years with vaccine safety studies is they've said, well, we're going to do the phase one trials. They're very, very small. And we're going to let medical doctors look and see in the adverse events that happen in the control group, which is usually not an inert placebo, uh, an inert substance. It's usually like the adjuvant from the vaccine. And in the vaccinated group, when you're doing a vaccinated versus a control group, any medical event that happens that we don't think happens in the vaccine. Well, these vaccines, these are first in human vaccines of this type. Mm -hmm. So they did exactly this and they ruled out myocarditis. They ruled out myocarditis in the, in the initial uh, Pfizer and Moderna trials. These medical experts with their white coats ruled it out. So be, they say, listen, we, these vaccines are so important. They're so important. Everybody should have them before the studies are done that show that they're important. Everybody should have them. They're so important that we can't really wait for long-term randomized clinical trials. So what we want to do is we want to just put it out there in the market and then we'll collect data, real world data, it's now called after the fact, and we'll analyze it afterwards. And this is what they call pharmacovigilance, where they have uh, the vaccine adverse event 
uh, reporting system, VAERS, they have the vaccine safety data link, and they have another, a, 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 a number of other databases that they say are, uh, amount to pharmacovigilance. However, because it's passively collective, none of it is a true randomized clinical trial, it's always stated you can't infer VAERS. You can't infer causality from VAERS. In fact, if you go down to download data from VAERS, you have to click a box that says you agree that you can infer causality. And so when Wallach et al. came out and said, hey, look, here are these deaths that we think that, that, that are occurring, and they tried to quantify the risk, um, the epidemiologists and the virologists on that particular editorial board of that other journal resigned because they said, you can't infer causality. We don't believe that these were caused by the, uh, these deaths were caused by the vaccine. And in my editorial, I point out that to my knowledge, virologists and epidemiologists are not trained in clinical pathology. They're not trained in forensic pathology. So they can't determine cause of death. So why are they resigning? They basically rage quit. They rage quit over, oh my gosh, somebody said the vaccine killed somebody. Another, another, another tell that, that the vaccine adverse events tracking systems are utterly useless. We either can infer causality, which some of the people that are doing the science on the, on the databases now think we can, or, or we don't have pharmacovigilance. The retrospective studies tell us basically nothing right, about causality because it could just be dismissed with the, with the, with the wave of, of an arm, could arm wave it away. Another tell was that Professor Thomas Shimabakuro on February 23rd told the Advisory Committee of Immunization Practices in the analysis of one of these databases, they found zero serious adverse events that were causally uh, caused by the vaccine and zero deaths that were caused by the vaccine and no association, no significant association. Two days later, the FDA put out a warning for myocarditis in kids. So if Thomas Shimabakuro is standing there with a straight face and saying, yeah, you know what? We basically found out how to cook the data enough not in a wink, we found out how to make the associations go away, which we know that they, we know how they do it. And FDA two days later, because of real world data, there's too many reports to the FDA. If you have been harmed or a loved one has been harmed by any vaccine, you should report it to the FDA and you should report it to the vaccine manufacturer. The way that the law is written, vaccine adverse events tracking system, uh, reporting system, big deal, can't infer causality. But if you report it to the vaccine makers, if they get enough reports of the same kind, it kicks the FDA into a position where they have to demand new science for that condition if it wasn't appropriately tested for the, in the studies. And by definition, because they combined the phase two and three trials, these long-term outcomes were never, the, the, many of these things were so rare in the small trials, you'd never find them. They were never adequately tested. So we need to start using the FDA and that's regulatory recapture. The people need to get into the face of the FDA by calling mm -hmm. them up and saying, yeah, my kid got caught myocarditis, write a letter to them and CC the vaccine manufacturer. And uh, unfortunately, those vaccine inserts, they don't have the address for the vaccine manufacturer because they're blank. So you can't actually do the reporting back to the vaccine adverse, the vaccine manufacturer unless you look up the address. But that's a, that's a small thing people can mm -hmm. very easily do. Yeah. And if you look at the numbers that you put up on the screen, there's 66,000 serious, you know, grave disorders. Like people are hospitalized, yeah. but that's a tiny percentage of people that actually report. The yeah. doctors are supposed to report, but they're not compelled to. And uh, even if they don't report it, there's there's no penalty to them. 
So we actually need new laws in the United States that a doctor has to report any bad health that ha condition that happens after vaccines, even if they don't think it was caused by the vaccine, and they can lose their license if they don't report it. We absolutely have to put some teeth in that law, and we're done playing around. They, they've, already, they've gone all the way towards mandating. There's one thing I want to make sure I got in here was that, did you notice that immediately after Biden said what he said, there was this report that came out and said, yeah, but maybe, maybe not the Postal Service. Maybe we won't do it. In the oh, well, wait, wait a minute. Maybe if you're a restaurant and it's a franchise that uh, even though you're a national chain, individuals franchises that don't apply more than 100 people. OK, well, maybe we won't count it that way. So there's all these things that are happening all over the country right now. And I just say we have a mass mass labor revolt. Well, that's what it, we need. We need people to ignore right. what their union bosses are telling them yeah. and walk off the job. Yeah. and say, we're coming back when you're not going to force vaccinate me. Yeah, we need that revolution. We need a peaceful revolution of people standing up, speaking out, walking away, sitting down and not leaving. Um, you know, every yep. form of peaceful protest that can be had needs to be had. We need to join together and refuse to have this country be taken over by a tyrant. And by, well, and he's a puppet tyrant. Yep. And I can say that because... Well, you know, there's so many reasons, but the man himself from day one has stood at the podium or or said when a microphone thrust before him, um, uh, I can't answer that. I'll get in a lot of trouble if I if I answer that. I'm told I'm not supposed to talk about that. I'm told I'm not supposed to take your. Well, who's telling you, Joe, yeah. who the heck is telling you what you can and cannot do? Right. It's it's just absurd. I wanted to share with you. I know you've seen this, Jack, but um, this is on Informed Choice Washington website. It's called FDA slide 16 in table two. So, you know, you mentioned myocarditis so that, you know, that the FDA and the CDC had to admit and it, because it was happening so often, it was in the news. People knew it was happening. They could not deny it. Um, but before the vaccines were even given emergency use authorization, both the FDA and the CDC put out this list of vaccine um, adverse events of special interest that they said they knew to look for based on the clinical trial information on the vaccine components and the vaccine platforms and the history of you know, some of the uses of some of these other products, they knew to look for these. And it included um, myocarditis and it included everything that we are seeing now. But you know who did not get this list? ER doctors, any medical provider, mm -hmm. you know? So if you knew that these were of special interest and you really wanted to look out for the American public. And if you're gonna push this out there as you know, your American patriotic thing to do, you would have warned everybody, look for this. And you would have gotten experts on board to say, okay, how are we gonna treat these people and help them overcome these adverse reactions if they get them? But instead you have people who are getting these things and they're being fought over whether or not, nah, it's not the vaccine, it's not the vaccine, you know, and they're using up all their medical, they're going broke with their co-pays, they're losing their jobs and losing their insurance. They've just been left abandoned. Yes. And the government knew to expect these things. It's, it's all right there in black and white. 
absolutely. And the, fact that, the fact that they used medical expertise, allopathic medical expertise to rule those conditions out in the early trials. Yeah, they were keeping an eye on them. What they were supposed to do is carry them over into the phase two trial yeah. as solicited conditions. But if they were medically determined to not be caused and they're not solicited conditions, right. it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a disaster. Yeah. And so I, what, yeah, well, I just want to explain for listeners um, to make sure they understand what you're saying. So one of the things that we've known needed reform for a long time is when you've got a new vaccine product and you're testing it, the FDA says it's okay for your own people who stand to highly profit from these products can, can decide whether or not an adverse reaction that happens in the trial, if it's related to the product or not. And this is when they're just figuring out how the product even works before they even know mechanisms of action or mechanisms of injury. And so, of course, the company that stands to profit in the billions or trillions is saying, oh, that wasn't connected. We saw that but oh no, we, it, it wasn't connected at all. Right. Even though the, our own government officials thought, well, yeah, it might be. There was so, there was so loose with this stuff that they actually had a death in, in, in well, I think it was the Moderna trial. They had a death that happened in the vaccinated group that they actually said, no, that person wasn't vaccinated. He was a placebo guy. So, I mean, they're just moving things around right in front of us, yeah. you know, removing outliers and things like that. So a couple of things I wanted to talk about that, that were political. People should be aware that right now, if you are an illegal immigrant coming across the border right now, and I don't do this politically, mm -hmm. I'm not doing this as a leftist or a rightist or anything. I'm dead set center. The fact of the matter, the truth fact is, if you're an illegal immigrant coming from Mexico, you can get ivermectin and you don't have to take the shot. There's no mandate for immigrants and they'll give you ivermectin. Well, how so about that? Gives, now, tell me, when you say they'll give you ivermectin, are you saying at the border that somebody from our country is giving you test positive for COVID, the government doesn't want you to have to be to become dead weight, basically. So they know what's going to make you better. They give you ivermectin. Absolutely. Our, gover our government yes. is giving people yes. ivermectin. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I want to so, get a hold of that fact. And I, right. you know. Well, everybody I'm, get a hold of that fact. It's out there. So the point is, uh, well, here, hang on just a minute. I'll share the second fact, I don't have that ready, but here is the White House, uh, Paxki, or however you say her name, uh, the, the, the White House secretary says having employer vaccine mandate, uh, they, she stands by it while illegal immigrants get a pass mm -hmm. on a vaccine mandate. Yeah. So they're not mandating it for illegal immigrants. Go up and look, look, look the rest of it. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd like to have everything very yeah. well prepared, but the, the point here the point here is that the rules that they're giving are capricious and arbitrary, which is a legal point. It's not a political mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. It's a legal point. Will everybody in the White House be required to vaccinate? Will the Supreme Court of the United States be required to vaccinate? Will every member of Congress be required to vaccinate? Every standing Senate member and all of their staff be required to vaccinate? These are important facts that we have to figure out because unless those people too are being vaccinated under the threat of loss of their jobs. The mm -hmm. same criteria have to apply to those federal workers as all the rest of them mm -hmm. under threat of loss of your Senate seat. Mm -hmm. That's what they're, that, okay? This never would have gone through the Senate, never would have gone through Congress, right? Oh. We need to kick this back and here's how you do it. I'm gonna share one more thing. Okay. All right. This is the key to freedom right here. The Code of Federal Regulations 45 CFR 46 provides so much 
such strong protections against human experimentation. Mm -hmm. Long-term pharmacovigilance, post-market surveillance studies are human experimentation. There's no doubt about it. There's no control group, but you're never consented. You're never told, hey, do you want this? Because we're trying to figure out if there's long-term safety, mm -hmm. okay? So you, what people should do is they should look this up. It's at the HHS website. It's Code of Federal Regulations 45 CFR 46. And look up all of it. Read it. Send it to your lawyer, okay? And mm -hmm. say, wait a minute. I'm going to sue the person that sent me and the company that sent me the memo that says you have to vaccinate or you're fired for coercion to enroll in clinical trials. Mm -hmm. It's the act of coercion itself, whether you vaccinate or not, whether you lose your job or not, whether you're injured or not, you're not suing for vaccine injury. So this does not go to vaccine court. This goes into civil court for monetary damages, for stress. How stressful is it for people to think that they can't feed their family, mm -hmm. lose their job? This is baloney. Mm -hmm. This We need thousands of lawsuits and we need thousands of people to take that CFR the 45 CFR 46 to the lawyers and say, I'm ready to sue my company that I work for and take 20% of their, of their value. Mm -hmm. Walk away and create your own company that has less than 99 people. This is what we need to have happen. Because when we start winning these cases, just like with glyphosate, the lawyers will swarm and the employers will say to the federal government, you can charge me 14,000. I don't care. Charge me 28,000. I'm not going to do it because mm -hmm. I'm gonna lose millions to these lawsuits, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not gonna enforce your stupid policy. And mm -hmm. you know what, take, take as much as you can. I'm, I, I think everybody should sue if you get a memo that says thou shalt vaccinate or you're fired. That's a big mistake for any employer to put that out there mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in writing because they are, are sitting ducks. They're vulnerable to these lawsuits. And we have a very short window of time to get these things filed and get hearings and get rulings Right now, before they lobby, before uh, big big companies lobby with the government and say, oh, they're exempt because they'll try to get exemptions for this shit. So yeah. sorry about that, Bernadette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. They'll try to we get exemptions. <laughs> so what, what we want to do is, is we want everybody to do this. If you, if you don't have the guts to do it, find somebody who's willing to do it. Tell them about this because we need every company to get the message that they are coercing people into human subjects experiments in the United States of America in 2021 yeah. and see what they think about that. Exactly. And, you know, to those people who feel like they're not brave enough, I'm telling you, you need to get brave and you find support to get brave. Surround yourself with other people who will support you and walk you through the process. But the time for hiding and letting other people do the fighting is over. Each and every, this ends when each and every one of us clasps hands, stands up or sits down or whatever it is we're doing and says, no, the magic word is no. And we do, you do know what's it. happening. Yeah. That's really amazing. One of the yeah. things that's happening I, about two months ago, I decided to start telling nurses, if you are coerced to vaccinate, then just go create an LLC, create your own medical facility and start doing telemedicine, compete with your other employer. Yeah. And because you're going to be the boss of that company, you go from a nurse, that's like one of the crappiest jobs, one of the most stressful jobs is to the CEO, owner of yeah. an LLC. Yeah. And guess who's going to come to you when this happens? The yeah. MDs that don't want to vaccinate, they're going to be looking for jobs. 
So yeah. allopathy is about to fractionate. They're, they're, they say that, oh, the nurses that are leaving are leaving because they're overwhelmed with vac unvaccinated people that have COVID and the ICUs are filled up. We know that that's not true. The nurses are walking away. They're listening to this message. They're yeah. empowered. And you know what? I think it'd be much, much better if we sent, stood up a whole new medical industry yeah. to compete a new form of allopathy, ethical mm -hmm. allopathy, to compete whatever the, whatever this thing is that's sold out to public health. Yeah, It's so dependent on people being sicker as opposed to being well. Yeah. And uh, the business model is great because you know what? The insurance will be less. The, the unvaccinated people will be less sick. So there'll mm -hmm. be fewer payouts, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be a fantastic world. It really yeah. is, people. You just have to have the, the guts to go to the edge of that cliff Hope you've got the parachute in your backpack, fold it right, and jump. That's all you have to do. That's yeah, all yeah. Well, you know, uh, Informed Choice Washington sent out a, a email today to our troops, to our fabulous action members, and just basically said, we're going to get through this, and our nation's going to be stronger than ever. But right now, if you need help or your neighbor needs help because they're facing a mandate, now is the time to join together. Let's not let any person, any family, um, you know, go unsupported through this journey because some people will be losing their jobs as they do the right thing, but we will get through to the other side and it will be. And Jack, a couple of years ago, you and I are talking, it's like we knew the medical system was so corrupt. It's an industry that feeds off of sick people and doctors have felt trapped. I mean, there's a, you know, I mean, one of the highest suicide side rates pre-COVID was within doctors. And I think many of them, they went into it with the noblest of, of drives. They want to go save people. And then they found that they were being run by an industry. Mm -hmm. Their hands were tied. They knew, you know, with any given situation with their patient, they could do the right thing or they could do what's called standard of care. That's right. That's right. Sometimes they matched, yay, but many times they did not. And as, and as time passed, more and more, that division between the right thing for your patient and standard of care diverged. And so really, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the hidden blessing. It's the silver lining of this COVID chaos. We hate that anybody has been harmed, but the systemic problems have been so revealed. We could not, like you said, no number of podcasts or radio shows or anything could Protest. have nothing. Nothing. shown a spotlight more powerful than what the... Um, medical pharmaco government industry has done to themselves. And I have said this before, it's like, it's like we have been pointing up into the sky saying that there's a, an alien mothership up there and only we could see it. But now, it, and they're like, everybody thought we were crazy. Um, and, but then it was using so much energy in order to like to her to maintain it, its cloak is blinking on and off. And I tell you, Biden yesterday standing up there, given that horrific speech, that dark day in America, he was uncloaked. That was a naked emperor standing up there. It was, it was a reckless <laughs> naked emperor. The, yeah. the, the Hutsu and the Tutsis come to mind where, you know, we understand that you have lost your patience with these unvaccinated people. And he tweeted out, he said, you know, we've got, we have to protect the vaccinated people from the unvaccinated workers. I said, well, who's going to protect the vaccinated people from the vaccinated workers? Mm -hmm. uh, right. So we know what the, they can still transmit and so on. So listen, if you're in healthcare, in any role, a nurse, a physician of any kind, a practitioner, and if you're suicidal, please 
we need you. We need you desperately. Mm -hmm. You're suicidal for the right reasons, but it's the wrong path. We need you to yeah. get out there and go create the medical community. Hundreds of thousands of your coworkers mm -hmm. are looking to change the world right now. Yeah. This is, we are ripe right now for a true emergence of true healthcare, of a revolution in healthcare. It's a walkaway movement that they have the brick and mortar, they have the janitors, they've got to pay for the lights, do the telemedicine and undermine that market and start your base there, find each other, work well together, and mm -hmm. let's not care who's on top, okay? Let's mm -hmm. make co-op. These co-ops, these medical co-ops are 100% the future of healthcare in America. Yeah. And uh, we need you, so stay alive. I, I love that. I love that. I love what's emerging. And um, you're always so inspiring, Jack. We, we've only got about two minutes in this hour. I wanted to know if by chance you were free after the break. Do you want to come back or, you, or do you have to go on to something else? I could stick around for a little bit. Sure. Cool. Okay. So um, I had a couple of notes here. Let me see if I've got maybe one more here um, that I wanted to bring in. Oh, one thing in particular I wanted to address was I was, I, I often flip around the radio station when I'm driving, I go to listen to all sides, you know, right, left, and in between. And I was listening to uh, the local national public radio station. And there was this program that was so astounding. You know, they're so good at in-depth interviewing people and then bringing in experts to talk about what they experienced. Oh, and the yeah. gist so they're of they're also academic, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the, the gist of it was this gentleman who was vaccinated and only around other vaccinated people got COVID anyway. And he believed he got it from his vaccinated um, co-workers. And so the professional psychologist is saying, well, you know, many people, when something happens to you and you're the odd man out or, or you're the exception, you make up your own reality in order to sort of understand things. And many people right now are, are thinking something is happening when it's really not. Anyway, they were trying to convince people that what you're experiencing that the vaccinated people are making other people sick is not really happening. You're just skewing your perception in order to make sense of your reality. I mean, it was really creepy. It was so- 100% gaslighting. George Orwellian. That is the definition of gaslighting. Gaslighting. It's, so when you think about, a, think about a man who's been abusing his wife and says to him, I've, not, I've never hit you one time in my life. Yeah. And, and they both know that they did. But no, oh, no, you just miss my remembering. I don't know why you're making this. Yeah, up. yeah exactly. Like, That's what oh, I hear the music, Jack. So let's hold that thought. When we come back, we'll finish there. So uh, hang on, everybody. We're going to go for a quick break. You're listening to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be right back. I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed 
about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and my guest, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, has graciously agreed to carry over a little bit into the next hour in order to finish up this whole conversation we were having. And, um, you know, I had told him about a program on National Public Radio that I had heard where they were attempting it was a social engineering type program to tell people what you're experiencing of the vaccinated people spreading COVID to other vaccinated people, as it were, and to the unvaccinated, that people were just creating their own reality in order to sort of understand their experience. You know, I find that more frightening than I do anything else, really, because this systemic propaganda, uh, there's no other word for it, that is being pushed out through major media is re- a lot of people are caught up in that. This is what the, this is the stations and, and sources that they've always loved and trusted. And I used to love listening to NPR. I love the way they do really in depth and get to the heart and soul of, of things. They have excellent programming, but but when they are being used and abused to create a narrative like this. So what you were saying something in regards to that when we got cut off by the break. What I was saying is it's a form of gaslighting. So gaslighting is when you are living in a particular reality, but the abuser uh, uses their, their, their power as well as the psychological manipulation. You must be imagining that that didn't happen. It's gaslighting to a T. It's a very, very clinical example of, of gaslighting. And what I was saying was, imagine a, a, a man who's been abusing his wife all of her life, and uh, he looks her straight in the eye and says, I've, I've never hit you once. Mm-hmm. And you, you're just making it all up. There's something wrong with you. You've got to go talk to the psychologist because yeah. there's something wrong with you. And uh, you know, the, the, the reality is, that they've passed legislation to make it legal for them to propagandize information to the American public. It didn't used to be that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now that it's legal for them to propagandize, they're pulling out all the stops and there's nothing to stop them except for reality. And that's where we win. So we have this, we have this difference between the two philosophies. There's a constructivist reality, constructivist philosophy, that what I say is the truth. I'm going to tell you what's true by decree and then you know we're not going to do science we're going to agree with the policy is in some back room we're going to decide what we're going to tell you what data we're going to show you and then there's reality there's empirical reality 
So I've created a school of thought that's called um, popular rationalism. And you recall when I was out there, you know, your, 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 your capital steps were among those that I've been on when I've said, what do you want? The people chant back science when mm -hmm. you want it. And they say, no, mm -hmm. this is popular rationalism. The people want reason, logic, reality, empirical based evidence based medicine, evidence-based public health, if there's any public health at all that they think that they need. And, and the corporations that run our government and the corporations that run CDC, they don't want empirical reality. Mm -hmm. They wanna be able to do whatever they can do for profit. And so mm -hmm. whatever they can do to get the message out that they think is, is the message they need to, to promulgate. Yeah. So I've actually created an online university called IPAC-EDU. And it's very difficult for me to get the word out about this because I'm so shadow banned and suppressed. But IPAC EDU is uh, a place where you can go and you can get college level courses and walk away with a certificate. And you have the same knowledge that you would learn in a college course. You just are really interested whether you get a, a, a degree or not. Mm -hmm. This is an alternative structure. We're too busy, right, educating the public to worry about whether we are meeting some curriculum requirements for accreditation. You yeah. see the difference? Yeah. And so it's knowledge for knowledge sake so that you can right. live in the world and make better decisions based from this place of being informed. That's right. And, and yeah. people have a responsibility to become as educated as they possibly can so they can join the fight to stop the, 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 the tyrants yeah. from pulling the wool over our eyes ever again. Yeah. Well, some incredible people are teaching now. We've got Andre Angelatoni, who's offering the vaccine course, right? It's going to be coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. Oh, it's, yay. Yeah, this is, I'm surprised you don't know about it. I've been shouting from my little Facebook page <laughs> every day. Come over and sign up for the vaccine course with Andre. He taught this once uh, at live in 2017 in a very long session. Um, in, Has in it Pittsburgh, been that long? 2017? Yes, 2017. Wow. In a, in, a, in a vaccine safety conference that I ran in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Well, now he's got, you know, 10 weeks to teach and lay out for every issue. These are the resources that are important. These are the fundamental studies. You want to go to ipak-edu.org and sign up for that vaccine course right away. Um, we even left a little tip jar. See, IPAC-EDU, in full disclosure, is my LLC. So I'm a capitalist now, right? I, that's my capitalist venture. Uh, IPAC over here is still a not-for-profit. We're still doing science. And if you have a monthly subscription or a monthly donation, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you know, we, in, at IPAC, we want to do things like predict who's going to have an adverse event from, from vaccines. Mm -hmm. And there's some really <clears throat> exciting things I wish I could go into detail about. Just yeah. a whole bunch of things have just come together in the past two weeks about, yeah. you know, some serious initiatives that are going to be taking place. But I can't. I'm, I'm under lock and key with my partners. Okay. And they're good. They're good partners. They're excellent partners. Yeah. But at IPAC EDU, I'm teaching courses like biology one and biology two. Mm -hmm. And eventually we're going to have courses that are offered for continued continuing medical education credits and continuing legal education credits. Oh, nice. So we're offering law courses so mm -hmm. that the public can come to understand how law is supposed to work in the United States anyway. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have students from uh, all over the world. We have students from New Zealand all the way to, um, Jersey in the mm -hmm. uh, the Isle of Jersey in the in the UK, so yeah, we have a lot a lot of interested students, and yeah, every course that we offer at APEDU is live. So the instructors there, even if they're playing this uh, the same lecture from last year that they gave, 
they're there at the beginning of the class to greet you, to ask any, answer any questions from the previous course uh, class meeting. And then at the end, there's an open period of discussion and sharing nice. ideas. Yeah. So you actually join a cohort of students. So if you're lonely and you want like-minded people in your life, come join some class that you find most interesting. You'll find some really interesting people. Don't spend the rest of uh, 2021 alone in your house. We have people that participate. They do the readings and they do the discussions. We have people that just kind of plug in and they're watching the live video. And once in a while, they say something. It's a lot of fun. We're learning mm -hmm. a lot. I'm teaching the course environmental toxicology, right? Why am I teaching environmental toxicology with all this stuff that's going on? The world's blowing up. Well, because we have to clean up the entire planet and mm -hmm. all of environmentalism is about climate change. It, mm -hmm. it takes the, the, you know, it takes the, the, the wind out of the room to talk about things like, uh, you know, benzapyrene that causes cancer from parsley burnt, you know, so it's really important that we do everything that we can do for future generations to help them be as healthy as they possibly can be. Yeah. And so this, we're, we're creating an army of informed activists that are as talented and as schooled as any, any college educated person. So if you ever wanted to know what you learn in college without having to go to college, come to IPAC-EDU. We promise it won't break the bank and you'll have a lot of fun. Give us the web, website address for that again. Oh, it's ipak-edu.org. Okay. And you can look at the current course listings. You can look at the schedule. And uh, even if you're a couple of weeks behind in some of the classes, it's no problem. All the videos are available after the lecture if you miss a class or two. Mm -hmm. So you can easily catch up. But uh, I want to see everyone in class. Don't be late. Yeah, that's fantastic. Are there any other projects you want to tell listeners about before you go? Anything that you need funding for? <laughs> Everything I need funding <laughs> for. So there's so many, so many things that I need to do at IPEC right? So yeah. we, we've got to basically redo and republish the, the Paul Thomas Vaxstone Vax study. Because, mm -hmm. right, there's a, a specific uh, person that contacted me and said he thinks that he can help me do the analysis in a way that's very consistent with what I did, but it just drives home the point like, okay, no, that's not a problem here. This is really robust, okay? So that's under, under uh, that, that we need funding for. Um, we have this consortium of uh, people, including Dr. Lee, who want to sequence patients coming out of a clinic in Michigan who have COVID-like symptoms to see how many of them actually have COVID. Uh, if they're tested with PCR, you get that result. And we, we actually sequence them with Dr. Singhang Lee's lab. What do they actually have? Do they have COVID? Do they have RSV? Do they have uh, influenza? So that we can then say, no, wait a minute, go back to the beginning of this outbreak and say, you know, 80% of them might not have been COVID or whatever the percentage is. I just mm -hmm. made that up. It's just an example. Is there is there anywhere in this um, project where the test would be able to distinguish between the spike protein of the wild virus and the spike protein of the vaccinated? Because what, what I am hearing is that recently vaccinated people are checking the hospital and they have, say, myocarditis or something else, and it's from the vaccine, but they're being told well, you've got COVID, you've got breakthrough COVID. And so COVID is being blamed instead of the vaccine. But last week when I had um, Ted Fogarty on yeah. and Javier Figueroa, they said it's possible to devise totally a possible. test. Yeah. So we really need that. We really this, need- do, yeah. Dr. Lee's approach to sequencing doesn't just use the spike protein. So it's very okay. easy. So the, you'll never get the other proteins from the virus just from the vaccine if it's, mm -hmm. if it's uh, Moderna or Pfizer. So Pfizer. So, Yes, absolutely. Those data will be coming out 
But wow. the, the point is, right, we've said that we think that the number of cases has been exaggerated. The uh, USA Today and other fact-checking places have kind of take, you know, taken their pot shots at, at IPAC for daring to publish the analysis that proves that it's overestimated. And then we write to them and say, you made an error in your assessment of your fact-checking, and then they change their website, but they never get us credit for the, right? So yeah. they're supposed to be transparent. <laughs> they're, they're a bunch yeah. of phonies. They're a bunch of yeah. phonies, okay? Yeah. And I'm comfortable saying that. Uh, the last project that I, I really uh, think might ha it has a chance of getting underway is to actually design, develop, and implement uh, a not-for-profit vaccine adverse events tracking reporting system that allows people who have not been vaccinated to contribute their health data. And it's going to be very, very different because unlike VAERS, we will check the reliability of the reports because you have to give a HIPAA waiver to a trusted entity, IPAC, to be able to access your medical records. The, or the, 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 the honest brokers will see the identified data on a percentage of those records to calculate reliability, reliability between what's uploaded to the database and what's actually in your medical records. And of course, we can filter out fraudulent entries and you know people that are trying to mess with our project and so on mm -hmm. that way. But, uh, but that is uh, gonna go undergo IRB approval wow. as a research project. Uh, the sequencing project with Dr. Lee, that's already good to go. That's all IRB approved. So mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. we do need your support. If you're not a monthly don't, I know things, times are hard. People are facing job loss and everything else and it's impossible to contemplate. But if you could spare a dollar or two or five or 10, go to uh, uh, ipaknowledge.org and sign up with the other science uh, heroes monthly because everything I've done over the past five years has been paid for by you guys. You are the living embodiment of the vaccine risk aware movement that says that you want objective science to exist in this world, and you're making that happen through IPAC. So, uh, you know, my, my heart goes out to the people who are in financial hard times. Please don't donate if you're going to put your kids in harm's way. Uh, you know, but what we want is a, a safer, freer future. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have to have rigorous and robust science to do that. We can't have this other, you know, constructivist philosophical thing where I think I know what's better for you, this patronizing thing of mm -hmm. these old white guys that have been telling us for 30 years, right? This is mm -hmm. the reality and I'm smarter and more educated than you. And you basically don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. This condescending attitude, as opposed to people who've lived with vaccine injury for 10, 20, 30 years or loss of a loved one, permanent, permanent condition. Mm -hmm. These doctors, they don't know anything about vaccine injury. The moms are the experts. So come on over and inspire other people to donate. It's really important. I'm doing my due diligence as the CEO of that not-for-profit, but ipaknowledge.org at Bernadette, I really appreciate you uh, having me on to, to, uh, to be able to talk about the projects and, and come on and take some classes and you're gonna learn a lot. I can't wait to see everybody in class. Yeah, I, I'm hoping things slow down just a bit that I can start sneaking those classes in. I really look forward to it. And thank you for your, I, I'll say tireless effort because that's an expression, but I know those I say it about are, it's not that they're not tired. They are tired, but they just keep going anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, there's one course that you're missing out on, Bernadette. It's, oh, it's that? Key, key readings in public health. Oh. It's taught by Dr. Henry Ilian. Oh, I love Dr. Henry. And, 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 and we have all the topics of COVID-19 and the key references and resources that you should have access to. Yeah. To, and we're, we're reading them and then we're discussing them with the group. It's a reasonably small group. I think there's a dozen people who signed up for it. So uh, yeah, so that way we have 
they say, well, what are you going to do? We're going to do a project. We're going to write a book. We're gonna... No, some of it's going to go towards a lawsuit, I'm sure, because we have some lawyers that signed up. But more importantly, we're creating a living embodiment of the knowledge mm. of what resources are important. Mm-hmm. And they themselves are the product of the project. It's, you mm-hmm. know, it's, they don't see themselves that way, but after a while they will. Because on recall, they'll be able to say, oh, yeah, in that first study of the Wuhan sequence, they said this and this. And, yeah. you know, so we're really trying to cement that history of knowledge and what happens over time through the mm-hmm. entire timeline of uh, COVID-19 starting in, 20, in January 2020. And, and that's, that's a very, very important course. And I think a lot of people should sign up for that one so that they have those resources. What's the title of that one? That's Key Readings in Public Health, COVID-19. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jack, thank you so much for your time and all the work you're doing. You know, I will be having you back on again soon. So you stay safe, stay healthy and love to grace. Uh, oh, you too, <laughs> Bernadette. You just, you're, 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 you are a, a fire and brimstone. You bring the, 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 the their, their blood turns cold when you walk in the room because they know. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I, I lost it. It was a good time to say goodbye because um, the stream to you has now gone. So thank you, Jack. That was Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. Oh, you have the facts. I back. Oh, yeah, he cut in again. Now I'm back alone. All right. Live radio. That's how it, that's how she rolls. So yeah. So, you know, as dark as yesterday was with having a president basically call war on state governments, um, as well as probably 100 million, 200 million Americans when you add up all of us who really believe in medical freedom, informed consent, and who really want this pandemic to end just as much as anybody else, but who see that the immune system and the treatments and you know everything is not saying to go the way that um, public health is going or the president. But despite all that, I have such hope because we have such amazing people right now that are working really hard following the passions. And a lot of them were in where they were in this line of work before studying certain things about public health, about the immune system, doing um, health and healing events. But we've got so many more new people who never stepped into this arena before. And that is very exciting. Informed Choice Washington and Children's Health Defense and um, the High Wire, so many other programs and websites and and people, we we try our best to bring you the information, um, to provide the help and the resources when and where we can. But when it comes right down to it, it's up to you. It's up to you, the individual, nobody else can save you but you. So I encourage you to arm yourself with information. Go to our website. We now have, in fact, I'll I'll go ahead and pull that up. Let me go find on our website. I will show you some of the resources that we now have. Informed Trust Washington, here we go. And I'll read a little bit here to you guys. So um, if you go to our website, informedchoicelaw.org, we have a COVID mandates help tab. There's lots of good information you will find on there, but this is what most people are looking for right now. And we are working very hard to keep this page up to date. And 
you know, you're going to find alerts like we don't yet have the alert about what happened yesterday, but um, Washington state's own governor Inslee had already pushed um, unethically um, and potentially illegally some of the same um, things that Biden did at the federal level in Washington state. But what we have here are, what we really encourage you to do if you're being faced with a mandate based on expert opinion from lawyers that we are talking with, they recommend that you file your religious exemption, but only after reading or either consulting with them, but because they're so busy, a lot of them are publishing their information online. You can find links to where you can go look up different advice about how to file your exemption. Um, but then we also highly encourage you to visit and register at Employees for Informed Consent. Right now, this is just a Washington State-based organization. Hopefully, there are others starting up in other states. But at Employees for Informed Consent, you can sign up, become part of the movement. But they are attempting to connect individuals with others in their same profession, their same um, employer, so that you can unite together. There are many groups that have found representation and are taking legal action against what is happening. So we encourage you to do that. And then there are many other resources. There are uh, law firms that are with us 100% wanting to help you and protect your medical freedom rights, your religious freedom rights. So you can check them out. Um, so just a lot of resources to explore. We also are trying to keep maintain, there's so many great articles being published with some of the organizations that we are aligned with. So we're encouraging you to, like we're, we have one page called what's being reported in the Defender, recent news from the Defender. And we're, we're grabbing some of the best highlines and headlines giving you a snippet and if you want to read the full article you can click over we're also doing the same for what's being reported in the vaccine reaction which is the fabulous online magazine by the um the vaccine information center that's um, barbara low fisher it's been around for decades they, they have been in this fight this fight for medical freedom and for industry reform and vaccine safety reform and for the separation of pharma and state has been a long time in coming. I never thought it would look like this, the ultimate showdown, but here we are. And as I said before, I do believe we are going to get to a much better place. Um, and we're gonna emerge from all of this as a nation really better understanding with a cultural memory of how easy it is to have our liberty, our freedom co-opted by under the guise of uh, public health, under the guise of the spread of a virus, of with fear, with our media being captured. All of this is being learned and people every day, our side is growing exponentially the side of truth and freedom and fact and real healing. I'm gonna play again, I played it the last hour, but it's so important to, um, I'm gonna, let's see, I'm gonna stop this share. I, I can't stress enough that it is so important to be prepared if you become symptomatic with COVID, 
to be prepared day one for to for early treatment, to to do um, prophylactic and preventive care, read the studies about vitamin D, vitamin C, all the lifestyle things that you can do. One of the most important things you can do is gargle. Believe it or not, there are some amazing published studies showing that Listerine or a mouthwash that you can make at home with iodine um, kills SARS-CoV-2 and its variants gargle about 60 seconds, they're saying with 30 seconds to 60 seconds with Listerine. Um, some of the studies shows that iodine kills the vi uh, viruses within 15 seconds. It's very quick. And viruses, respiratory viruses, you, you bring them in through the nose and throat, and that's where they begin to replicate. So if every day when you're out there, out and about, if you come home and you gargle, <clears throat> and then you do like a saline nose rinse, especially put a little bit of the iodine in there, you can look up how to do these things you can decrease your viral load. You can prevent yourself from becoming infected by deactivating at the very place where it would happen. And this is per the experts. There's a lot of science um, backing this up. I've yet to get up a post. I apologize for that. I've been very busy here, but there's a lot of published science. And um, even the FLCCC now has on their um, on in their COVID kit, they are recommending mouthwash. And then I would add the, the same, the nasal flush, the nasal irrigation is very important. There are, so there are simple things you can do, but if you do become symptomatic, you need to have right away. The new information is showing that it's, it's only about four days from exposure to first symptoms potentially. And because um, there is this massive push to make ivermectin very difficult to get, you need to have your COVID kit put together in advance. And what I also highly recommend is that you find right now a healthcare practitioner, MD, ND, OD, chiropractor, a healthcare practitioner aligned with your health approach, your healing approach to be your professional partner. So that if you become sick, you have somebody professional that you can reach out to, to say, these are my symptoms. This is what I'm going to do. What do you recommend? And, and so you've got that guidance through what can potentially be a very severe disease. It can be really scary to go through something on your own, especially when there's such hype and such fear in the media. But if you've got that partner, somebody that you're aligned with, and that you, that you're confident in their ability to guide you, it's a whole different experience. People tend to not shop for doctors adequately. They often go down a list of who their insurance company includes in their program, or they pick somebody out at random or somebody that their neighbor used which somebody that your neighbor used actually might be a better one because at least you could talk thoroughly with your neighbor and know where they stand and you can get some real experiences of patient to doctor and how that interaction, how that interaction is. But you need to shop for your healthcare practitioner that would you as thoroughly as you would be shopping for a spouse. Nobody is more important um, in, you know, in this time then that person you turn to for your healthcare guidance. So make an appointment, spend a little bit of time and resources 
sitting there speaking with them to see how they approach health and wellness and protection. Make sure you're aligned. Make sure you've got your COVID plan there, your flu plan, whatever you may be exposed to and might be coming up. And then that way, if you become symptomatic, you're good to go. And if you start feeling a, a little um, unsure of what you're doing, you can get them on the phone. You can get that appointment, telemed, whatever it is, and be guided by a professional. So that's your task. I, you know, I've been preaching this for a year and a half. And it's been so disappointing that a couple of people near and dear to me, even though they agreed with it, they had not done this. They were not prepared on day one of symptom and they didn't start looking for proper medication for early treatment until five days in. And that becomes very difficult. You know, it's just a much harder journey five days in instead of day one. So I'm gonna share with you uh, what I'm sharing with everybody every hour, and I'll probably do this for a while. So I apologize if you're tired of hearing this. This is a good time for you to go take a body break or something if you're listening to the show. I'm going to play again the FLCCC's uh, wonderful little five-minute video here. Oh, I got to start it from the beginning. Here we go. These are the founding physicians of the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. They convened to develop highly effective treatment protocols to prevent the transmission of COVID-19 and to improve the outcomes for patients ill with the disease. Today, they want you to know how to prevent COVID-19, even against the variants. This is the molecule of ivermectin, the medicine that can end the pandemic. Ivermectin was discovered and developed in 1975 in Japan by Dr. Satoshi Amura and Dr. William Campbell. In 2015, Drs. Amura and Campbell each received the Nobel Prize in Medicine for ivermectin's discovery. They deserved it. The medicine has brought relief and saved the lives of millions across the globe for nearly 40 years. Ivermectin was first used in humans in 1987 for the treatment of parasitic diseases. It has eradicated pandemics of numerous diseases for four decades. Plus, for nearly 40 years, it has been given safely across the world nearly 4 billion times. Ivermectin is on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. It has been deemed to be one of the safest medicines known to mankind. But this workhorse of a drug is not yet finished. In the past eight months, numerous controlled clinical trials are reporting consistent, large improvements in COVID-19 patient outcomes when treated with ivermectin. People treated with ivermectin experience numerous clinical benefits. Fewer infections, reduced inflammatory markers, more rapid improvement, more rapid viral clearance, shorter hospitalization, and a reduction in mortality. 
as you can see, ivermectin has been very well studied across the world. In fact, the amount of scientific medical evidence is mountainous. As of July 16, 2021, 60 clinical studies, including 30 randomized controlled trials, have evaluated the role of ivermectin in the treatment or prevention of COVID-19. Here's how it works. Ivermectin inhibits the replication of many viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, influenza, and others. Ivermectin has potent anti-inflammatory properties with multiple mechanisms of action. Ivermectin diminishes viral load and protects against organ damage in animal models of SARS-CoV-2 infection. It prevents transmission of COVID-19 when taken either pre- or post-exposure. It hastens recovery and decreases hospitalization and mortality in patients with COVID-19. And it leads to far lower case fatality rates in regions with widespread use. Then, when ivermectin is used with the additional components in the FLCCC Alliance's iMask Plus protocol, it can work even better in preventing COVID-19. So here is what the FLCCC Critical Care Physician Team recommends. Just like you keep a first aid kit around the house, please start keeping a just-in-case COVID kit. Here is what the kit contains. Ivermectin, vitamin D3, vitamin C, quercetin, zinc, melatonin, and gargle or mouthwash. You can find our iMask Plus protocol plus all of our prevention and treatment protocols at flccc.net. We wish you a lifetime of good health. Are we back on now? Hello. Hey, I apologize for that. We had a temporary glitch with the internet there, but I think that we are back. Can you hear me now? I'm going to ask my engineer if we're good to go. Awesome. Thank you. I apologize for that, Dadar. I don't know what happened there. Something, you know, that's live radio uh, going over the airwaves. So uh, I'm not sure what you heard and when you heard it. Um, so I'm just going to pick up from there. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen again with y'all. And here we go. And I was talking about, in case you didn't hear it, <laughs> antibodies. So the good news is 
Um, if you've got COVID and you've got natural antibodies, you've got neutralizing antibodies that are being called ultrapotent against 23 variants, including variants of concern. And that would be um, also the Delta variant. The um, studies are showing for the vaccinated, however, and even Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC, said that if you were vaccinated against COVID, that you have a very high chance of becoming, I don't remember exact words, I apologize for that, but high risk of um, developing or if exposed to the Delta variant. So they're, they're not the same thing. Experiencing the full virus is completely different immune reaction than your body being um, creating a genetically altered stabilized spike protein and developing antibodies to that genetically altered stabilized spike protein. Okay. And they had no way of really knowing for sure how different these immune responses are because everything they're claiming, oh, we skipped no steps, nothing was rushed. But they could not possibly, you need time. There is no way to manipulate anything you're doing to make up for the lack of time and the lack of studies at looking exactly what happens, what sort of antibodies. The phase three studies. Um, will never be complete because they unblinded the phase three studies. And so we are all either in the control group right now or the vaccinated group. And this will go on forever. Um, and it seems that the president of the United States is dead set on eliminating the control group, which is a very scary thing to do. Um, you need people who are not exposed to a drug or to a vaccine in order to really understand for sure what's going on and what adverse reactions are there. Um, I'm hoping I'm still here we go. I'm going to stop share. And there is one other thing that I do want to show you all. I haven't spent a lot of time, I, you know, I talk about the politics and the science a lot. I don't, um, often spend time too much talking about actual injuries, but I wanna spend a little bit of time right now. I think what I'm gonna play for you, I might just go ahead and read for you. I apologize here. I'm gonna just click on over to this and now go to the Firefox. There we go, share. Let's see if I've got this here. If I'm doing the right one, I'm not sure. Okay, so I wanted to read to you a couple of the um, VAERS reports that are, that are showing having to do with myocarditis, that's heart inflammation, which the CDC and FDA have now fully admitted can happen. They are not acknowledging how frequently it happens. They're not adequately tracking any adverse reactions. We don't know for sure how many of anything is happening. But at, at uh, openvares.com, you can go to the COVID-19 tab and then you can do a little bit of research. This is one of the easiest places to kind of get an idea of what's going on, what's being reported. Um, we have here, there's one here, the a young woman age 17 years old on April 17th, 2021, within 48 hours of receiving a COVID-19 Pfizer shot, her second one, 
this is the report that was written. It was submitted by the mother. It says, my daughter began experiencing chest pain in the PM. It was initially mild, so we did a watch and wait overnight. But when it did not go away by morning of 4-18-21, we went to urgent care. Upon presentation at urgent care, she had an irregular EKG. We were advised to immediately do a hospital, to go to the hospital ER. Upon arrival, she presented with the same EKG findings from urgent care. Um, initials BW was run and her troponin level was a seven. This hospital recommended after consultation with their cardiologist that based on her age and urgency of the heart condition, we should be transported to a pediatric hospital with cardiology expertise. She was transported by ambulance to another hospital. After a scary 24 hour overnight stay at the hospital, she was released. Several of the people that I've interviewed on this show talk about myocarditis. And when you get that heart inflammation happening, you get some amount of scarring of cells and some cell death. And the thing about heart cells is they don't uh, reproduce. They don't replace themselves. Your liver can do some healing. Other organs can do some healing, but your heart, when it gets that little bit of damage, you're going to carry that forward with you for the rest of your life. And, and how and when and if it will affect you is unknown. Um, what's really concerning is the CDC acknowledging that these cases can happen. Nevertheless, have said if you have a history of myocarditis, you should still get a Pfizer shot. If you get myocarditis after the first shot and you recover, you should still get the second shot. This is so reckless. I, you know, there's just really no words for it. Just, um, it's very frightening. So right now, as of September 9th, 2021, a total of 675,591 reports have been filed to VAERS. 14,506 of those reports, including death as the outcome to exposure to one of the products, 58,440 hospitalizations, 77,919 urgent care visits, 106,184 office visits, 5,783 cases of anaphylaxis, 7,911 cases of Bell's palsy. And there's a study now where they found the probable mechanism of injury of what causes Bell's palsy following um, exposure to one of the three products, 1,757 miscarriages, 6,422 heart attacks, 5,371 myocarditis or pericarditis, 18,439 reports of permanent disability. I'm going to pause there on that one. 18,439 people or their doctors, 65 to 85% of reports filed with VAERS come from the medical community, reported now being permanently disabled after having gotten the shot. 
So these are very, very concerning red flags, no matter how you look at it. We know that only between one to 10% of all adverse reactions are ever reported to VAERS. And about two months ago or so at a Washington State Department of Health Vaccine Advisory Committee meeting, one of our state epidemiologists gave a presentation looking at myocarditis numbers. And VAERS was only one of the places that she pulled the numbers from because of underreporting. She found a couple of there. There were other places that she had to search, two or three other places to find other cases that weren't showing up in VAERS. And it, it was much um, higher than the actual number being found. So, you know, when you've got a president standing at the podium saying that these things are safe and effective, when the CDC has admitted they do not prevent infection, they do not prevent transmission they are not preventing hospitalization or death. Um, they are claiming that it can minimize, but what they're not saying is what else can minimize? Well, everybody getting their COVID kit at home, taking vitamin D and zinc, um, attending to your own underlying health issues, that can do it. Um, making sure you've got effective treatment protocols, everybody having a healthcare practitioner that they trust, that can um, prevent severe hospitalization and death. And, and expert doctors around the world say that this would end, early treatment would end the pandemic. It is still, it is criminal that anybody is still being sent home once they're diagnosed and not being told anything that they can do. We have got to change the system. We need a whole revolution in the system. Public health should not be limited to vaccines as the only tool they're allowed to talk about. Why can't public health talk about vitamin D, vitamin C, smoking as things that you can or should stop doing in order to get through a serious infection? Why only products that come with full liability protection. And um, we're still trying to figure out this little bit of gray area with the Pfizer vaccine. It's very confusing. Yes, it is now sort of licensed, but the way the language is put under this is that all of the emergency use authorization vials of the product that are still out there are still emergency covered under emergency use authorization language. They're still liability free. Um, they are not the legal authorized licensed product. None of, as far as I am aware and what I'm hearing is that nothing under the name of Comernity, I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's like, um, the easy way to remember it, I apologize for this, is commie RNA because it's com and mRNA is the name of the new Pfizer licensed product that they are, they're not going to even release that until they use up all of the EUA product. Uh, but we believe that the licensed product is also liability free, likely covered under um, the PREP Act as well, because it's an emergency, as long as we've got the state of emergency um, going on. Uh, 
So I'm going to, for the last few minutes here, I'm gonna bring you through some really important information. I'm gonna click over here for you and read you some of the information that we've got going. We've already went through the naturally immune um, people. Uh, but let's look at what's, I'm gonna go click on over to the defender here and I hope you're following with me. Uh, I'm going to click on over to this one here. I apologize. I thought I had this set up. It's one of those days. Is it a full moon behind those clouds here in the Pacific Northwest today? <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Things that you have lined up don't quite get lined up. All righty. Um, September 10th, the Children's Health Defense, and I thank you, Children's Health Defense, for sponsoring one hour of our radio each week. Um, go to childrenshealthdefense.org, and their online magazine is The Defender. That's at childrenshealthdefense.org backslash defender. And I've clicked on their COVID tab, and I'm going to look out, look up some of the um, most recent stories, medical boards threaten doctors who spread COVID vaccine misinformation. Well, who deems what is misinformation? You know, there are some who would claim potentially that what Bernadette says on an informed life radio is misinformation. But I challenge anybody listening to the show to contact me with anything that they might believe to be misinformation. Let's talk about it. Let's have dialogue. Let's have civil dialogue. Let's look, look it up. Let's look at the facts, look at the science. That's all we want is real dialogue. Real dialogue is not happening and we need real dialogue. That's so important. In this article on the Defender, it says that now doctors are being threatened with loss of their license if they fail to toe the line of mainstream medicine on how to prevent and treat COVID. You know, I, I have found online through the Department of Health, our own Washington State Department of Health is overreaching, overstepping um, their authority, and they are sending carefully worded, I'm sure their attorney helped them, letters to healthcare providers telling them that the FDA has not approved COVID. I'm, I apologize, ivermectin have not approved ivermectin and that they needed, need to use their own discretion um, in filling these prescriptions. Well, of course, pharmacists need to use their discretion on filling any prescription that comes their way, but they are within certain, only within certain parameters. Pharmacists and the Department of Health are not allowed to step into the patient-doctor relationship. It's not for the pharmacist to say that this product is not safe for the patient, that the doctor has prescribed it. And it's one of the safest drugs on the planet. Pharmacists fill off-label repurposed drug prescriptions every single day. Almost a quarter of all prescriptions are repurposed off-label use drugs that they fill. There's no reason for a pharmacist not to fill it, but they're being coerced not to. What's worse, the Department of Health goes on to tell pharmacists, if you are concerned about the, how a doctor is prescribing medicine, you, it might be appropriate for you to report this doctor to the medical board, to their licensing board. Excuse me? 
you're, you're stepping into doctor patient and now you're telling them to tattle. This is so appalling. I encourage anybody who's a pharmacist or who knows a pharmacist to please, please find others, find other pharmacists, join together. The Department of Health does not want to get into court. You need to push back. They do not want to be in court over this because they will lose. There are nations who actually have ivermectin as their standard of care. Um, the health um, head of a major uh, medical university in Japan, I believe it was, um, has come out and said that he believes that ivermectin should be standard of care. There are many top pulmonary care specialists, medical frontline specialists saying ivermectin should be standard of care. Everybody should have it on hand. So why, when this is still ongoing when the CDC and the FDA are acknowledging that the vaccine doesn't even prevent you from becoming infected and maybe becoming hospitalized, why on earth are they blocking it? Now, there is now some acceptance of the monoclonal um, antibodies, but that's expensive and not everybody has access to that. Okay, I hear the music coming. It's a little bit of rough bumps on the second half of the second hour, but we got through it. I want everybody to have a fully informed weekend. Do your homework, talk with people, talk with everyone, join together to say no to this medical tyranny that's trying to take away your freedoms. We got this people, take care. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.